As you all know, we've uh, gathered this morning in, in part to have baby dedications. So again, we welcome all the families and friends of those who have come to watch these little people be dedicated to the Lord. And before we actually get into the formal sort of ceremony part, I want to take a few moments to explain what we're doing here this morning and why we do it the way we do at Genesis House and to give a bit of a, a mini sermon, if you will, on um, preparing our hearts and the parents' hearts to go through this ceremony. But the reason we do dedications in Genesis House and not baptisms for infants and young children is because at Genesis House, we believe that it's a ceremony, um, baptism is a ceremony that we perform in response to those who made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ. And only uh, adults or people who are like at, at the age of reason and can comprehend the gospel message. And so we've chosen to do dedications as a way of giving the parents opportunities to still say, hey, we want to raise our children in the Lord's ways without having necessarily a baptism service. Now, I realize there are many within the Christian community that believe the scriptures do support infant baptism. And our denomination that we belong to also supports that. But we also recognize that it's not an issue that we'll divide over, and we're not going to uh, die on that hill. And so we welcome everybody, regardless of their position on the issue, into our family. And so the denomination gives us freedom to do what we desire, and so we chose we choose this path. But again, it's not a dividing issue, and we love everyone regardless of what their stance is on it. But again, we also want to provide every family an opportunity, though, to make a public declaration that they are committing their children to God, and they're committing them to His ways. So in preparation for this, I want to read from Deuteronomy 6. So let's read from Deuteronomy 6 together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I gave you today are to be on your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The first thing I want you to notice in these verses, in terms of setting up children for um, their own personal commitments to Jesus Christ, is it actually starts with the parents. It starts with the parents. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. So again, as mom and dads, it starts with you. Before you teach your children, it's imperative that you have a personal hunger and a personal commitment to God. That your heart and your mind and your strength is devoted to Him. It's important not only in the way you say things, but in the way you model it in your own lives. Children, as you know, are sponges. I was given the illustration years ago of wet cement. So you know how when con uh, construction workers pour wet cement, they always put barrier tape around them and say, no stepping on this. Because they know that once that cement hardens, that footprint or that cat that walked across the path now has that permanently indented. 
And so children are like cement. And so as you teach them, and as their brains are moldable and soft, they um, are, are in that wet formula. And so it's only as they get older as adults that those become hardened, and that becomes the pattern by which they do life. And so it's really important that as, as, as parents that we make sure that they know the truth of God and, and see that modeled in your own life because they are picking up on everything that we say and we do. I, gave, I was given this model one time. It was a really powerful illustration. And I was in a class and, and the teacher said this, I'm going to ask you what you believe by my words and my actions right now. And so the, the instructor said this, I love you. I love you. And asked us, what do you believe through the message I conveyed? And the answer was obvious. Because the mouth and the actions were headed in different directions. And the actions said a lot. So as parents, it's important that we're consistent in, in our love for the Lord because they witness how we live, not just what we say. And that will spill over into our children. And I'm grateful for the legacy we have here. I've heard in testimonies, I just most recently, I think, of Randy's, um, when he stood up here, he said, I remember my dad sitting in an armchair, and I'd come home, and we'd always see him doing an hour of devotions every night just by himself in his armchair. Randy not only heard the words of the Lord being spoken in his home, but he watched his dad and his own personal commitment to Jesus Christ in that flirt. And, and we can see the man that Randy is today. I know for other people, you, you, the testimony of praying moms, praying moms, and how that impacted all of you as kids. And here again, you are as adults, your, your brain is now hardened, that wet cement is hard, and what do you remember? I remember my praying mom, and I remember my dad in the armchair. I remember that this is the way that they serve the Lord, and I am an offspring of them, now following in their footsteps. So again, it's really important. And, and you know what? We know we're not going to be perfect parents. We know we're going to sin. We know we're going to screw up. But that's also how we model things. One of the things that I had to learn as an adult, and I'm sure you had too, is how to like apologize appropriately and to take ownership of the things that we've done. What a better way to go up to your kids is to teach them how to say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me for the actions that I've chosen? So that when they get older, they understand too that it's okay to make mistakes, but also to take ownership for what they've done. So again, we're not asking for perfection from the parents, but we're asking for them to model godly virtue and godly behavior. So the second step then in setting children for loving Christ and, and providing a legacy of faith is how we train and raise them. I love this. Impress on them. Talk about them. Bind them. Write them. This is the parent's responsibility in terms of teaching the children. Really, if I was to put one phrase to this, it'd be show commitment or saturate them with the truth of God's word. The picture we get here is a consistency, a pervasive outlook on life as you sit as you walk, as you lie, as you rise. In other words, take every opportunity to explain to your kids 
on the word of the Lord and how it impacts life and how to impart that God's way into lives. You know, when you get up in the morning and you're going to school, look for the opportunity. When you're driving in the car, look for the opportunity. When you're walking in the mall, take the opportunity. When you're lying on the couch watching a show, take an opportunity if it comes. Before bed, take an opportunity. But again, it's more than just reading passages to them and opening the Bible. It's really teaching them how it applies to life. How does it apply to life? When I used to um, come to the scriptures, you know, early on, I would say, well, why would I read that? Or why would I even think about that? Or why would I even do that? As parents, we need to walk our children through the possible outcomes if we don't go God's way. Dan and I, the other pastor from Pine Ridge, have a phrase that we use often in our one-on-one conversations. And we say we need to do a good job as parents and as pastors teaching people the reasonableness of going God's way. The reasonableness of going God's way. Because inside of us is this desire to rebel and say, well, I know I said, I know it says that, but I'm not really going to do that, am I? There's no benefit to that. That's, that seems like a cost to me. And as parents who've gone through the things that our kids are going to want to rebel against and question, we can say, well, let me tell you the reasonableness of going God's way here. So I know you don't want to forgive your friend right now, but do you understand what that might do to you in the future? Can I tell you how it's impacted me? I know you think anger is the solution every time something doesn't go your way, but can I tell you how God wants you to process that? I know you want to hold on to the $20 in your pocket every time you go out and not give your friends a dime, but can I tell you about God's way and how generosity works in your life? I know you want to go after her or him and date them because they're the most attractive person in the class to you, but can I tell you about the reasonableness of God's way in terms of how to choose a partner? And the list goes on and on and on. This is where vulnerability will be important from our perspective as well, to say, you know what, I didn't choose the reasonableness of God's way, and here's how it impacted me and your mom, or your mom, or your dad, or whoever's speaking. (laughs) Again, walk them through the outcomes, be vulnerable. God's way is good. His commands are for our good. And we've learned this all the time. The devil's trickery is to basically say to you, you can't trust God, and you can't trust his word. He's a joy kill. He's trying to ruin your life. So our job is to saturate children with the truth of the Lord. That it permeates their existence. And I don't have to stress to you the importance of this in this culture. Our culture now has got another message that's screaming opposite to going God's way and embracing his truth. You know, it's got a very different message that it wants your children to go for. Now this is really cool because in Deuteronomy 6, this passage in the Hebrew faith is often referred to as the Shema. Jews recite the Shema often every day to start the day or to go to bed. And really the word Shema is Hebrew to hear. And so as a Jew, you would would say this, almost like the Christian would say the Lord's Prayer. You know, our Father who art in heaven. That's the the Shema to the Jew is what the Lord's Prayer is to us. But what's interesting in Revelation 13, there's a different Shema, a counterfeit Shema that the world screams. 
In Revelation 13, it says this. It's, oh, I should actually back up and say this. In this passage, God introduced, or John introduces us to God's enemy who seeks to harm God's people. It's a threefold unholy alliance. The dragon representing the devil, the beast of the sea representing the political power that exists today on the state, and the beast of the earth, the ideology that drives the state. It mimics God in, in that it's an unholy trinity, or it seeks to be a trinity, I should say, but it's a counterfeit one. And the, those who belong to God's enemy take his mark. It's the mark of the beast. And so let's read it. It, it also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. You notice where the mark is. That's on the hand and on the forehead. Opposite of Deuteronomy 6, where God's word is to be marked on the hand or on the forehead. Now here's what's amazing. Obviously in Deuteronomy 6, it's not literal. As a parent, you're not to tattoo God's word on your hand or on your forehead. Look how thick the Bible is. How are you possibly even going to do that? It's not literal. It's basically saying this is how we... I want you basically to have this permeated in your whole being. It's a, it's a mark of allegiance, Deuteronomy 6. And so John in Revelation is saying the same thing. There's a mark of allegiance, buying for your children's lives. And when you belong to the counterfeit trinity, you go opposite to God's way. He's got you. It determines the course of your outcome of your life. And so he's going to use the existing, the devil's going to use the existing political powers along with the religious ideology to try to deceive your children and pressure them into conforming into the world. And this is why parents, your job and God's word is so important. And why they have such a huge role to play. But here's the awesome thing. Even though the parents are the primary impetus, you're not alone. You have a community of Christian people around you that love your kids and want to see them grow in the Lord and support you in helping you parent them. We help one another in raising our children. We share the collective wisdom that we all have and that God has taught us. And we come alongside you in times of tears, times of laughter, times of encouragement, times of correction, times of motivation. And what's amazing this morning is, as part of the ceremony, we're going to stand together as a church in agreement to help support the parents and raise these little kids. Amen.